0: everybody, welcome back to another episode of Bitch Breathe. So today I'm bringing you the winter solstice special. Regardless of what tradition you come from or whether winter solstice even means anything at all to you, I wanted to take this opportunity to talk about sort of the things we know as opposed to things we don't know and then the things we don't know we don't know, right? So just to sort of explain uh, for the for the moment... The winter solstice is a time when the longest night occurs and the shortest day. So this is when we have the least daylight, uh, just on a pure sort of planetary um, level, if you will. And after this longest of nights, which is in the modern calendar, December 21st, the daylight comes back. So every day, if you open up your weather app, you'll notice that the sun keeps rising a little bit earlier than the day before. So why would this be interesting to us? Well, apart from all those sort of Wiccan and pre-Christian religions and traditions, there's um, a lot to be learned about this time or a lot that we could look at if we decide to. Now, I'm not hugely knowledgeable about the mystical and the Wiccan tradition, all that, but I'm hugely into it. So um, I'm always into this sort of uh, folklore and what kind of rituals are around it. Then there's all the smudging. So whatever that is, that's sort of the spiritual side. And if you're into that, then you already know what I'm talking about. This is not, however, so much what I want to talk about today. I want to talk about the dark side crossing over to the dark side. So the winter solstice, a lot of people will explain, or you might have heard this already before, is a time when the darkness, the longest darkness, the longest night, ends. But it also teaches us that darkness doesn't essentially have to be bad, that actually coming out of this darkness or transitioning from one to the other or taking the reverse journey is not just not a bad thing. It's actually a really, really interesting time, as transitions always will be, right? And when I started to realize, away from sort of all the uh, mystical aspects, that this is a time where we can look at our own dark sides. What is it that we might want to let go of? That's when I thought, ooh, that could be a really good episode. So to sort of translate it into a more contemporary terminology, if you will, I want to talk about our own toxicity, our own dark side, because you know we all got one, or 15, <laughs> whichever it is, and um, to just examine what what does that mean to look at our own dark side. So this isn't going to be, if you've listened to other episodes of mine, you'll know this, so much about concrete tools over and over although there will be some I hope that are helpful to you but I want to talk more about how we manifest darkness in our lives by not shining a light on the darkness in ourselves. Stay with me for a moment because that alone feels to me a little generic but I'm really trying to get to the idea that whatever darkness and lightness too but today we're on the Darth Vader side, whatever occurs in our life, we manifested that in some way, that darkness, because you could use a synonym for darkness in um, depending in a coaching context or in a spiritual context. We can talk about the shadow side or the unconscious or the subconscious if you want to go Freudian terms, and this would probably be the id. I think it is... Um, the most evil aspect, if you will. And in Star Wars, of course, that would have to be the dark side and Darth Vader and the heavy breathing and everything that comes with that. So the idea is to understand that if we keep choosing certain professional careers, partners, situations, contexts, even our children, um, if we keep moving in these same dynamics, there's something we haven't had the opportunity maybe to look at. And in my personal case, I can share, um, I used to think the reason that I kept running into the same dynamics, let's say in friendship, was because, well, everyone's toxic, clearly. (laughs) And especially when I was going through a crisis, I would have this idea that, well, I'm going to have to reselect my whole circle of friends or... If it was after a breakup, of course, a lot of reshuffling of the deck happens and you you start to make different choices, a lot of which can be very, very cleansing and clarifying. Um, Some of them might be more of an impetus, a a knee-jerk reaction, if you will. Um, uh, But others could be very, very organic and actually something that's supposed to happen at this time. But in uh, my own personal experience, I want to share, I have this one friend. Uh, She's a very close friend. She listens to my podcast, so I hope we're still friends when I'm done here. But um, she's incredibly witty and funny and eloquent. She's a great writer. Um, She's very, very worldly. She's lived in God only knows how many countries. Um, She's a lot wealthier than I in in very earthly terms. And she just, um, on the outside... And on the inside too, but on the outside, she lives a really, really great life. And so sometimes when I would tell her, like, hey, I'm going away for the weekend, let's say this is something that happened, um, I'm going away for the weekend to, I don't know, Amsterdam, really looking forward to it. What would happen is she would then send back her travel itinerary for the rest of the year. And I'm like, Okay, that's a bit of a weird reaction, but okay. Or if I said I'm super stressed about something, so, um, you know, let's say I'm really slammed at work and then she would be even more stressed. (laughs) And so I I constantly felt like whether it was positive or negative, there was always this one upman or upwomanship, if you will, and I couldn't quite get a grasp of why this was like, why did I feel one of my closest friends was stepping into competition with me? Um, this became even more poignant and our friendship almost actually um, failed, not failed, but ended over this when my marriage ended. Because I was probably, annoyingly, tenaciously talking about how I had been wronged, why this marriage ended, and just how bad everything was. But no matter how abysmal my narrative was... She was also doing badly. And um, then I would have to sort of listen to her thing all the time. And no matter how often I tried to sort of relieve myself of my pain, I always felt we kept coming back to her and about what she did and how her life was going and how difficult things were for her. And so we would step into sort of this competition, um, which I don't want to focus so much on that, but I want to focus on the toxicity that was clearly here and that I kept blaming on this other person. I kept thinking, why is she being such a bitch? You know, I'm the one who's suffering here right now. And we keep talking about her shit. And it would get me so angry that I really dropped her for a while there, which was very painful for both of us. Um, but especially for her, because I had been the one who sort of retreated and pulled back. Then I went through this whole development, I want to say. And it took us a while to get back to where we are now. But I started to think, is it just her? Um, Is she just jealous of me? Or does she have this narcissistic thing where everything has to be about her? And um, is she just one of those women whom I used to meet a lot more when I was an actor, who just constantly sort of stepped into... A contest with you that clearly nobody was going to win because it was so toxic and so unhealthy that nobody could step away from this battle unwounded. And I started to realize uh, painfully realize oh, I have it too. I'm a little bit jealous. I'm jealous of the kind of life that she has been able to manifest for herself. And even though I knew the difficulties she has and I knew the validity of the challenges she also faces, I was still jealous. I was still envious that she got to travel to all these beautiful places, that she had a kind of marriage that looked like it was financially and emotionally stable, that her daughters, of which she has five, by the way, um all seem to look up to her and to support her. And even though she's an incredibly unique person also, this is not an easy woman we're talking about, but then it turns out neither am I. Um, they, everyone is just so fascinated and rightfully um, feeling sort of, uh, you know, privileged to be in her presence because she's quite a shining personality. And for me keep in mind, the yoga teacher, to have to admit that I'm jealous of one of my closest friends, oh, that didn't sit right with me at all. And it came to me after we had, you know, in quotes, broken up. And I thought to myself, come on, you've learned so much these last couple of years. And if there's anything you've learned, it's that you can't, it can't be just the other person, it takes two to tango, right? And so bit by bit, I started to dismantle This construct that I had about us, which was, you're toxic, I'm not, you need to go away, right? And it's so easy sometimes, especially when we've been hurt, especially when someone's been the real 10 types of a-hole to us, to be like, you know what, we're done here. I'm out, you're toxic, and I want to cleanse my environment, Oh, that self-righteousness, it felt so good. (laughs) It felt so good to be on the right side, to be on the lighter side, to not be on the dark side where P.S. You, the toxic friend, is currently residing. So I think this is an invitation to myself, maybe also to you who's listening, to really look at who is the toxic person here and is there just one? And to really understand that as long as we haven't been able to shine that light on our own dark side, that dark side is going to keep showing up. That blame that we place on the other person is also going to keep showing up. And I immediately want to say something about blame. This is not about then going back, blaming ourselves, and sort of pouring all that toxicity onto ourselves. You know, the ego is so smart. You know this if you've thought about it at all. It has so many ways to show up. It can be a total macho or or A-type personality who's like showing off, who says everything is great in life, la la. But there's also that ego that says sorry really quickly. That feels really badly really quickly. And that sort of then shrinks away from life, makes itself smaller through the kind of shame that we're now experiencing. And I learned this in a class I took a long time ago. That is also ego, the sort of self-flagellation and, and oh, my God, I can't believe I'm such a toxic person. Mm, let's not even go there. But instead, just to keep sort of crossing from our own dark side, from the dark side in the other person to the light side. And the side of the light is never... Punishing is never benefiting from your punishing yourself or you punishing others. All that light side wants from us is that we acknowledge that it's there and that we can always come back to it after we crossed over to Darth Vader, right? So just sort of inviting us all to come back, to keep coming back to the light side, to the sun side, which is what we're all reaching for now, as the winter solstice has just passed, and we're moving into the light once more. Another sort of dark side that I want to point out, going back to the idea of whose toxicity is this anyway, is to know that every person we meet, every pattern we repeat is again this unconscious side. So speaking from a personal um, experience once more, I had been in a long relationship with a person who, if you put him into sort of the narcissism 101 class and they started describing somebody, (laughs) It'd be like, oh my God, do they know my ex? You know, it was that kind of situation. After we broke up, I read all the books about narcissists and I um, really tried to understand how the hell I had gotten myself into this hugely, hugely toxic romantic relationship that was just destroying me bit by bit. Now, my narrative a couple of years ago would have been, it's not the situation that's destroying me, it's this person. Clearly, he was on a mission to absolutely annihilate me, to take everything that I thought I was good at and to turn it into something bad. And this sort of victim narrative... Is important for a while. I don't want to say, let's all be brave and just move forward and, you know, take charge. Yes, there is a time for that. But there's also a time when we do feel victimized, and it's totally fine to say, oh my God, I'm hurting so, so much. I don't know how to get out of here. That does mean I'm a victim, but it does mean I could use some help. But once this phase of the acute blaming And our own shame and hurt and pain is over. That, I always felt, was a really great time to get some support, spiritual, coaching, psychological, whichever. And to look at, objectively look at, what actually happened here? How did I manifest this situation, these years spent, and this person? It's a sobering process. From my own experience, I can say it's much easier to blame another person and it's much easier easier to externalize emotion by being full-on angry and a raving, raving bitch. I did that too. I also believe that phase has its validity. However, when I got to sort of the light side, when I started to b- cross from the dark side, the unconscious to acknowledging the brighter side that isn't fun necessarily, but it's clarifying, I realized, good God, I put this guy here. I put him right where he landed. And all that narcissism, which granted, I still believe he has, there's a seed for that in me. If there weren't, he would have not shown up. Now, keep in mind, this is my very own experience and belief. I don't necessarily want to say that everything bad that happens to you, you deserved it, right? Because that's sort of something something that comes up when we talk about this way. Absolutely not. Please, let's not misunderstand what happens to us and our responsibility for it. I don't feel like I deserved what happened to me. With this guy, because again, I don't believe that the light side, or we can call it love, um, or any other term that serves you, I don't believe it has our punishment uh, at, its, at its core. What it has is our recognition, our personal growth, our radical self love, as well as our love for others. That is at its core. This is not about deserving, or you got what you asked for, or anything like that. Nothing at all. Just wanted to sort of squeeze that little disclaimer in there because I know it's so easy to go down that route maybe also. But again, coming back to my experience, I put this person there. I put my girlfriend there with my jealousy and I put this narcissistic or man with narcissistic tendencies in my life also. Because what was my narcissism? I wanted to shine, I wanted to be adored, I wanted to be seen, I wanted someone to take care of me, to, you know, um, have little attentions that he does. Like he would buy me whenever, he was a really great guy in some ways, right? Whenever I um, had a new hobby, immediately he would send me a book about it or a blog or a link or whatever it was, and there was this constant flow of attention, my gimme gimme, was responded by, here it is, here it is, here it is, right? Now, if you're constantly looking for food and you never stop being hungry, that's a pretty dark place to be in. But if there's this other person who's like, here you go, honey, here's another plateful," and shoving it down your throat, because that is essentially what it was I seemed to unconsciously be demanding, then that dynamic's going to work real well. And for me to have to admit that I had put someone there who, at the very end of our relationship, treated me, you know, lowest creature you could think of. I, I couldn't. There was no way I was going to admit my responsibility for having landed here. But when I did, when the idea of personal responsibility was able to find a place back into my life and within the development of the recovery process... It gave me back my power. And that's what I want to sort of end this with today. Darkness is not necessarily bad. It's a great time. Uh, One of my favorite yoga teachers said this, Anna Forrest. She said, at the time of winter solstice, we should ask ourselves, what needs to die? And so die, death, right? Pretty scary subject. If you want to get real scared, listen back to some of my earlier episodes where I talk about it. But what needs to die? What is not here with a purpose anymore? And to look at that dark side and it will then, this inner work of just looking at it, I'm not saying pray until you see God. I'm not even saying go to a cave and meditate like a good um, sadhu, whatever it is, just looking at it Already you have injected so much light into the situation that you don't have to cut off friends. You don't have to end that relationship right away because the kind of inner stirrings that are now beginning to take place will create the selection in the outside for you. Whoever doesn't belong there anymore, they ain't going to show up for much longer. And even though I'm saying I'm not super into the mystical, I think it's magic. So, um... There was my little winter solstice excursion. I hope you enjoyed it. If you have questions or comments on it, I would love it if you sent those to me. I have a Facebook page now, which of course is called Bitch Breathe. You can find it on there. You can rate me on all the places where you get your podcasts. And if you want to write me an email, please do so. The email address is bitchbreathe at gmx.com. Really looking forward to hearing from you. Until next time, stay well and happy winter solstice.